I didn't see this coming, okay? So you know my story. I get the timeshare deal, and it's like you can go on this incredible vacation for like 300 bucks. You just right. got to go sit and listen to a 90-minute timeshare. Right. I go. Yeah. We have a great time. Yeah. Cheapest, cheapest vacation outside of just, you know, free that you yeah. can get. We have a great time. The timeshare was not miserable. Like, let me, let me tell you something about You mean about the presentation? The presentation. The, the guy can, he probably could have sold me a sweaty napkin. I mean, like, like the guy was brilliant. We didn't even have the money to pay, and he almost, like, by the end of it, I was almost there. I was almost like, oh, If Courtney man. hadn't been <laughs> yeah, with yeah, you, that's right, that's right. you would own a timeshare <laughs> oh, right man, now. Oh, man, they were good. Man, if we could convert them to preachers somehow, only for, like, a gospel call or a gospel presentation, that'd, that'd, be, that'd be something. Anyways, um, so, yeah, now I'm, every time I get something in the mail about a, a timeshare presentation and a discounted vacation, I'm tempted. My apologies to everyone who owns a timeshare. Don't do it. <laughs> you know, you've got those annual maintenance fees. Okay. Yeah. And what if it's your week to go on timeshare? I don't share, want a timeshare. I just, you, you, it's your week to go on vacation. You get the flu. A hurricane that's comes. That's true. I, I'm not saying I want a timeshare. I'm just saying I am hooked. Anytime they say, come to this for a timeshare presentation, I might be there. I actually love having friends who have timeshares. <laughs> I had a friend who owned a bunch once, and they have these timeshare banks, and he would give me a week, and he'd say, pick a week out anywhere you want. And so yeah. we, he'd say, just pay the transfer fee, and we would do it. But he had money. He had like 12 or 15 timeshares. Friends but, like that. Yeah, those are, those are great <laughs> friends. Friend, have. You have, you have good, I have good friends, too. My friends are better than yours. Probably so, yeah. Probably so. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to do this? I think we might as well. <laughs> we might as well. All right, let's get going. All right, folks, welcome to Miked Up, where we have conversations about the conversations you're having. My name is Kobe Duran. I'm the youth minister at Central Baptist Church in Jacksonville, and I am with the Honorable Mike. Mike, Doctor, <laughs> Doctor Mike Miller. I'm not letting you get away with that, Mike. You know, I had you somebody the doctor. other day say, "Hey, I was told I had to address you as Doctor." I said, "Who told you that?" Somebody doesn't even come to our church. <laughs> I'm like, just call me Mike. You know. By the way, I, I have to commend you. Kobe is the one that came up with the tagline: "Conversations about the conversations you're having." I yes. like it because this is stuff people talk about. Man, did you just give me a compliment? For the world to hear. Yeah, but we haven't started recording yet, have we? <laughs> I think we're, in, we're, we're recording. This is on. This is on. Okay, <laughs> that, was a, that was a hot mic on Mic'd Up. <laughs> All right, we got a good one today. We are in, I think this is week four, actually, of Messy Church. We had two yeah. weeks. Yeah, so we're yeah. in week four of Messy Church. Um, today, uh, and, and by the way, if you're just <laughs> tuning in with us, we're talking about uh, Messy Church. Messy Church is this idea that the church is beautiful. It, it's just hard. It's hard because... We serve a perfect God, but we are imperfect people, mm-hmm. and the church is run by imperfect people, so things get messy. Uh, but we got to have the church. To the point, this is our fourth. We could probably do thirty. We could probably do. Yeah, <laughs> we could probably just keep on going. And so, anyways, we're talking about issues that you will come across when you come into the church. Last week, we talked about dealing with hypocrites um, in the church. We acknowledge that hypocrites are in the church. Sure. Doesn't necessarily mean that you should run. We'd encourage you to tune in to last week's episode. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but this week, I want to just give you a little heads up. This week, we're talking about theological issues that should and should not divide. Yeah. And um, we're gonna we're gonna cover some theological issues or theological topics, not necessarily issues, but some theological topics. And and we're not going to just like dive off into the weeds on any one particular thing. So if you have additional questions, because we can't promise that we're going to get to this stuff anytime soon, because right. messy church may last a while, who knows? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you want to uh, to ask a question, go to askmikemiller.com. That's askmikemiller.com. Um, and, and submit those questions because we would love, or specifically, specifically, excuse me, Dr. Mike would love to answer those questions that you have. So. Yeah, and if you have a topic you'd like discussed here, yeah. send me an email. You can send an email to askmikemiller at gmail.com. There you go. So that yeah. way we want, we want to address, we want to have conversations. About the conversations yes. you're having. That's right. <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. Some issues should divide, some issues shouldn't divide. I think we can, can we agree on that? Is that... Yep, we can. I will also say, too, that there are going to be reasons to divide over doctrine. There just are. And um, there are going to be reasons to leave a church over doctrine. I think those are fewer than most would think. But I want to throw this in there. Um, I was given some advice a long time ago, and I've tried to hold to it ever since. It's this. Don't be ugly. (laughs) You know, um, that's a good policy for life. By yeah, the way. <laughs> it really is. So you can divide, you can even leave a church in a nice way. But um, so much of what happens is, is that our emotions get the best of us. We start dividing battle lines or drawing battle lines yeah. and that starts drawing other people in. And that reflects really poorly on Christ when we do that. So why does it reflect? Why, why is it that the things... In my question, there might be the answer. Why why would that reflect poorly on Christ? Explain that. Well, because um, we as Christians talk a lot about how we're all part of the same family. We are saved, made part of the family of God. And who wants to be a part of a family that's fighting with each other? We're also told in Scripture that the local church is the body of Christ. And what does it look like when the body turns on itself? And not only that, but how did Jesus say that people would recognize we belong to yeah, him? Yeah, John 14, by our, right. love, our love. By, the, for one by our love for one another. That's how people are going to know who we are and that we yeah. belong to him. So, so when we're ugly, it's hard to be So loving. when we're ugly, um, people say, why would I want to be a part of something like that? Right. And that's compl- I wouldn't want to be a part of a family when all they do is argue. No, you, you call know? that a dysfunctional <laughs> family, dysfunctional right? family, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want to be a part of the family that can come to the dinner table together. They might have their conversations, they may have their disagreements, but they still break bread. Yeah. They still love. Yeah, that's right. And they can they can st- they can stick it out. Okay, so let's get into the let's let's get into this. Let's get into the details. Details. There All we right. go. Who is this Incarnacion? You know that movie? Of course I know <laughs> that movie. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Sure. That's I don't know why I just said that. I just Hey, felt... my daughter lived for two summers in the city in Mexico. And that <laughs> movie you was telling me filmed. that. I yeah. am so jealous. Yep, Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I had to go visit that sometime. Anyways, <laughs> you have said something to our church that I mm. love. And this, Ooh, this, what is it? <laughs> well, lots of things, obviously. <laughs> uh, lots of things I talk about on the podcast, but you know, when you first came in, I think it was actually on your view of a call. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was on your view of a call. I never heard anybody talk about it this way. You said there are some theological issues or, or topics. Is, we can call them issues, categories, topics, whatever. Topics, categories, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That you hold with an open palm. That's right. 
And you said that there's others that you hold with a closed fist. That's right. Explain that to us. Yeah, there are some doctrines that I have clenched my fist around because I'm not going to let them go. Yeah. And there are others that I hold in an open hand because I don't feel as firmly about them. And somebody might say, well, who gets to pick what, you know, does everybody just yeah. get to pick what's what are these open hand, closed hand doctrines? No. And what, what we do is we... We look at we look at two things. We look at um, historical Christianity because for two thousand years the church has defined and clarified what these closed fist doctrines are, and then we look at Scripture, and we look at at what is most clearly delineated in Scripture. For example, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is clearly taught in the New Testament as foundational right. to the church. Paul goes to is so far to say that if the, Jesus is not raised from the dead, our faith is futile. In other words, there is no Christianity right. if Jesus was not raised from the dead. Well, there is such emphasis in Scripture, we can comfortably put a closed fist around that. But then there are other things that the church has been less clear on and the church has argued about because scripture is less clear on. For example, things about the end times. How are things going to unfold? We've got, we're not going to go into all these, but you've got the premillennial, postmillennial, amillennial, yeah. pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, yeah. um, all these various combinations and then different, different perspectives on top of those right. that that people are still unsure about. And why are people so unsure? It's because Scripture is less clear about mm -hmm. those things. So Scripture is clear that Jesus is returning someday. Yeah. Closed fist. What's the order of his return with all the world events? Scripture's much less clear on that, so that's open fist. Yeah. So the fact of his return is closed fist. The details of his return are not. So I, ha I have a question. As, as you're describing that to me, I have a, a, a question in regards to these closed fist things, you can feel certain about something, but it still be open fist. Is am I understanding that correctly? Or so yeah. for example, let me let me throw out one just example. Age of the earth. Yeah. You can feel confident in that. Yeah. Well, Is I that, can tell you I feel pretty confident in my end times perspective. Right. Okay, yeah, let's stick with that one. End times. Yeah. Yeah, I feel pretty confident in it. And uh in fact, there are a couple of end times perspectives that I feel very comfortable completely rejecting. Yeah. That I just don't see anywhere in Scripture they're taught. But that's not something I'm going to fight or divide over. So yeah. um, so you're confident with those things, but they're still in the open palm category? Or they would you say are, they're close to They this? are in open palm because I do believe Scripture is less clear about them. Okay. And because... The church has not clearly defined this over 2,000 years gotcha. of church okay. history. Yeah. So another way I like to look at this, because you say open fist, closed fist, and that sort of gives us two categories, but there's also this concept of theological triage, yeah. which gives a little bit more nuance and is really going to relate to when do I leave a church? Gotcha. You know, or when do I speak up in church? And so... You know, we get the term triage uh, from the medical profession. If you've ever showed up at the emergency room, the first thing you do is, is, is you get triaged. In other words, a nurse 
um, talks to you to see what your symptoms are. And for example, if you come into the emergency room and say, um, you've twisted your ankle, then you go, frankly, you're going to go to the bottom of the list. You're not a critical care patient. Right, yeah. But if you show up at the emergency room and you say, I feel like an elephant sitting on my chest and the pain's radiating, radiating down my left arm, they're going to put you back <laughs> yeah. real fast. So it's basically how they dis- determine the urgency of a situation. Right. Um, now, if you show up and they're not busy and you've got a twisted ankle, they're going to take you right back. But if they're if they've had a, if there's been a plane crash in the area mm. and they're treating patients and you show up with a twisted ankle, you might as well get comfy. Yeah. You know, right. that's not critical. Take so, some mad pill. Right. Find so, the so many people have talked about this idea of theological triage about what is most critical. Okay. And, and we basically try to break it into, and you could break it down even more than this, but first tier, second tier and third tier categories. Um, and I would just give you, if you're looking for a way to remember this, think, Christianity, church, and conscience. Yeah. Christianity, church, and conscience. So the first tier, those are the most critical. These would be our closed fists. So the first tier are those things, those doctrines, that if we are to reject them, we have rejected Christianity. Right. For example, if you say, I don't believe Jesus Christ rose from the grave, by the way, I defend your right to believe that. Yeah. But if you say Jesus Christ did not rise from the grave, you have rejected historical Christianity. You've rejected biblical Christianity. Right. So these are the doctrines that define what Christianity is. And those would be uh, belief in one God, uh, the Trinity. Yeah the, the um, virgin birth of Christ, the full deity of Christ, the full humanity of Christ. Um, that salvation is by grace through faith alone, so justification by faith. And, and there's really only a handful of these that we would say, to remove one, you've, you've drifted from Christianity. And, and so, and, and just like a, a clarifying point for some people who, you know, might not be familiar with all these different terms. Saying, yeah. When we start talking about Trinity, yeah. you find even heresies within that realm. You know, you can say, well, I believe that God exists as Trinity, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you even find some some really convoluted doctrines even within that. Yeah, and let's let's talk about that for a minute because the Trinity is is perhaps the hardest doctrine to understand. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And in fact, um here's the way I, I like to say it. Um it may be hard to comprehend or to apprehend, in other words, to grasp every aspect of it. But it is possible to comprehend it. Oh, that is so good. you may yeah. not apprehend yeah. it. That's really good. But you I like can that. comprehend it. So the doctrine of the Trinity is that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons. Not three gods. That would be what you call tritheism. That would be three godism. Yeah. Um, but one God, three distinct persons. Each person is fully completely God in his very nature. That's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. But we wouldn't define God as only Father, only Son, or only Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the Father's not the Son, the Son's not the Spirit, the Spirit's not the Father, and so forth and so on. So 
since that is one of the most difficult to comprehend and maybe even impossible fully to apprehend, there was debate in the early church. And some people tried to say, well, this isn't good math. One plus one plus one equals one. So they said, you know, this doesn't fit in our world. And by the way, the simple response to that is that's because it's not of our world. Right. That's exactly God does not exist in nature. He is not part of the natural order. He created the natural order. Yeah. He exists outside of nature. He is of a different nature than anything else that exists. And so we don't have to define him by terms that fit in the natural world. So people came up with all different kinds of ways. I mean, for example, just saying that, um, well, Jesus wasn't fully God. Jesus wasn't really God who came in the flesh. Some said, well, he was an angelic being or some other sort of created being that God sent. And you still have, uh, you, you have religions that believe that today. I mean, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe he was the Archangel Michael. And so, um, th- who, who is incarnate or that he is a lesser deity. And uh, so they've changed the words of Scripture to fit that. Uh, Mormons believe in millions and millions and millions of gods and that our Father God had, had two sons, uh, Jesus and Satan, who battled over how to uh, save the world. And Jesus is, or they, they didn't battle over it, but they, they had opposing plans to redeem the world and Jesus' plan won, and that's why Satan rebelled. So we get into the identity of Christ doing that. We also have people trying to, you know, say, well, um, this is a this is a, a heresy called modalism that, well, sometimes he shows himself as a father, but sometimes he shows himself as a son. Yeah. And sometimes he shows himself as spirit. But that clearly doesn't line up in scripture. I mean, at, at its most rudimentary, when you have Jesus praying to the father. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Then, then they can't just be the same person, right. the same God, but three persons. And so that is a difficult one. And I understand that some people listening right now, if you're not that familiar yet with Trinitarian doctrine, you might go, whoa, let me push pause on this. <laughs> or fast forward. Or fast yeah. forward through this. And so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because this really isn't a, about the Trinity. But I'll tell you this, when somebody says, hey, Mike, I'm moving to a new city uh, can you help me find a church in this community? Yeah. And, I, you know, if I know friends in that area, that'll help. Or somebody will say, hey, we just moved to this community and we're trying to look at this, these two churches. Would you, would you see what you can find out? I always go to their statement of faith. Mm, and yeah. the first thing I look at is how do they define the Trinity? And nearly every church, if you'll just go on their website, it'll, it'll say, you know, statement yeah. of faith, yeah, that's doctrines, right. things like core doctrines, core beliefs. And that's why it's so easy because some of you are saying, well, how do I know how to read those things? That's why I love it when a church like ours says, we adhere to the Baptist faith and message. Yeah. Well, I know what the Baptist faith and message, and that's the Southern Baptist statement of faith. Or you may see a church that says, we adhere to the Westminster Confession of Faith or to the London Baptist Confession of 1689. Okay, well, those are historically orthodox confessions of faith. And again, I'd say if you have a question about any of those, give me a call. Yeah. Well, good. Okay, so so that's that's our first order stuff. That's the first so, order. So let stuff. me hear you correctly. Let me make sure that I'm, I'm getting this right. You're saying that if there is a if you if you're walking into a church and they don't have one of these first order doctrines right, walk back out. I'm saying that if I'm looking for a church, let's say I'm not a pastor, um, and I'm looking for a church, 
I want to make sure they're right on the first order doctrines. If not, I'm not going to visit. You're not going to visit. Okay. But yeah. if I show up and the preacher is preaching against them, in fact, let me give you an example, tell you a story. So I became a Christian as a young adult, and um, I was working as a pilot. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that I would, uh, you know, I wanted, I, I loved going to church, but frequently I was out of town on the weekends. And a lot of times I was flying Sunday mornings, but anywhere I was somewhere on Sunday morning, I went to church. And I was in Phoenix one time, and I, uh, and back then you didn't have the internet, so the way I picked a church was I had to find one that had the times <laughs> listed in the yellow pages. Okay. All and right. so I found a church to go to, and it was, you know, I had to drive like 30 minutes to get there because it had yeah. the times listed. So I drive to this church, and, and when I almost get there, I realize, oh, man, I left my Bible in my hotel room. And I thought, oh, well, they're going to have plenty of Bibles there. They'll have pew Bibles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I get there, there were no pew Bibles, and I looked around and nobody had a Bible. Nobody had a Bible. Okay, that's interesting. And I just thought, yeah, you know, but I'm a new Christian, right. and I'm, I'm still, in fact, if you had asked me, hey, Mike, tell me about the Trinity, I'd have said, tell you about the what? <laughs> and so yeah. I didn't know about that, and so. But you knew enough to know that it was interesting that nobody had yeah, a Bible. Yeah. yeah, so I went in and I sat down, and the pastor was preaching on the temptation of Christ. Okay. And one of those temptations is when this the when Satan you know he'd been he hadn't eaten or drink or, or had anything to drink for forty days, and Satan tempts him and says, "If you're really the son of God, why don't you turn one of those stones into bread?" And I'll never forget it, man. This was 1987, 1988, because I got well, I got saved in '87, so this would it was shortly after that. The pastor said, "Of course." Jesus was a man just like you and me. He couldn't have turned that stone to bread even if he'd wanted to. But that's not the point of this passage. Okay. I don't, I didn't hear what the point was. (laughs) Because frankly, in my brand new Christian brain, I think my brain just kind of focused on that and I, and I couldn't move past it. You just got to spaz out there. I did. And, 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 and in fact, when church was over, I just got up. I just left. I mean, I yeah. just, I didn't hang around to try to talk. I just left. I was gone. I got in my car. Very confused, I'm thinking. Because what I'm thinking, I mean, here's a pastor. What do I know? This guy knows the right, Bible, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So as soon as I get home, I went straight to church, man. I went to church and I went to my pastor and I said, I got to ask you about this. He said Jesus couldn't turn stone to bread if he'd wanted to. Is that true? And the pastor said, no, yeah, that's not true. I said, well, he said that wasn't the point. He said, then what was the point? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> so my pastor, you know, said, hey, I'd like to know who this guy is because I want to look into him because that guy was preaching that Jesus was not divine. He was not God. And um, next time I went to Phoenix, that's not where I went. <laughs> You went. You went somewhere else. Um, so, so th- this is a. But well, well, let me just say, here's a bigger dilemma. You're a long-term member of the church. Yeah. And suddenly, your pastor changes oh, his beliefs. Oh, there you go. Or you get a new pastor. Or you get a new yeah. pastor. And even though he's answered all the right questions with the search committee, something, something comes, comes up. up. Yep. Now what do you do? And by the way, I've seen pastors change their beliefs. You know, I had a. I had a seminary uh, student come to me one time, and he, was, he wasn't a pastor yet, but he came to me, and he just said, you know, I don't think I believe some of these things. Mm. And I said, he said, uh, would you hire me knowing that? And I said, no. Right. 
<laughs> of course not. Yeah. Um, well, so, what you're saying, I mean, here's what I'm hearing you say is that there, there's a strong chance you're not a Christian if you don't believe these these doctrines. Not, I mean, maybe not necessarily. Yes, and let, and let me clarify. Chance. I can tell you, you know, a week after I became a Christian, I didn't believe the Trinity. Okay, I was still yeah. a Christian, but that's because I hadn't heard about it. Gotcha. Okay. So if you're truly a Christian, you will accept these doctrines. Okay. I that, okay. That's. A, thank you for clarifying that. Now I will also say it doesn't mean you won't struggle with them. Right. Like your first time to hear about the Trinity, your reaction, even though you're a Christian, might be, "What? Wait a minute!" <laughs> I guarantee you there's some people minds that are because I mean this is something I struggle with. Like, yeah. how do we? You know, I think I told you about a conversation I was actually having um, with somebody of the Muslim faith. Yeah. And they they came at me and they were just like. Listen to what you're saying. <laughs> They're like, you're, you're saying you serve one God, and you're describing me, him as three persons. I'm like, I get it. Yeah. I understand how crazy it sounds. But if that's how he exists, and that's how we have to acknowledge exactly his, right. his existence. So, I mean, it, you know, these are, these are not easy. And so, yeah, so, so what do you do when, when this happens? Your pastor, when the pastor comes up and yeah, changes Your pastor starts theory. preaching false doctrine. What do you do, Mike? My strong encouragement to you is to go to your pastor one-on-one yeah. for clarification. Okay. Oh, that's good. I've been misunderstood before. That's good. Yeah. Pastor, the benefit I of the doubt thought there. I, I, it sounded like you said Jesus didn't rise from the grave. Yeah. And I just wanted to see if I heard you right. Could be that he says, Oh my goodness, no, that's not what I you, meant. You rewind the tape yeah. and you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go back. Yeah, and frankly, people have people have come to me before and said, Hey, you said this, and I go and listen, and I'm like, No, I didn't. But then I've gone and listened and thought, oh man, why did I say that? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, and I think a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, you're not reading from a manuscript. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. there's you know, sometimes things just get twisted and it's not it's an accident. And it's just you say it the wrong way. You say you it ever, the wrong way. You know, you've probably said something the wrong way to your wife before. Oh, <laughs> And it may no, I've never, I've never done that. Grief. You've never done that. Never done that, Mike. Of course, I'm going to give you some pointers on how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you go to your pastor, and if your pastor says, "Well, yes, I don't actually believe those things," case closed. Well, here's here's my recommendation. I wouldn't say just walk away. I would say to the pastor, or I would ask the pastor, "Does the leadership in the church know you believe this way?" And maybe you are, I mean, maybe you're the chairman of the deacons or the head of the personnel committee or the chairman of a board or whatever, whatever your church has. And if that's you, then I I think you you need to be honest with the pastor. You say, well, listen, the deacons need to know about this. The personnel committee needs to know about this. But if you're not in those positions, because most people in the church are not, you need to say, pastor, you need to know that I'm going to go talk to the personnel committee about this because this troubles me. And and tell him, I'm not going to try to cause trouble. But I believe this to be errant doctrine, and to the I, I think the people who hold you accountable need to know about this. Yeah. But tell him, I, you know, you shouldn't blindside anybody. Yeah. You know, there shouldn't be a business meeting where, like, this is the first oh, time the pastor's hearing about what it. What a terrible yeah. way to handle that, because then you got a hundred people in the room that are all going to hear something different. Yeah. You know, and. And then I would take it to, let's, let's say, for example, that um, your pastor, basically his report or his accountability is a personnel committee. So you go to the personnel committee. It could be that the, the personnel committee says, yes, we know, and we're okay with that. That's when you leave the church. Okay. 
Because nothing's going to be done. And you don't make point. you don't need to make a stink, but you can also be honest. Somebody says, "Why did you leave the church?" Well, a pastor doesn't believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ, and I do. Yeah. And um, it could be though that the personnel committee says, "Oh my goodness, we didn't realize that. We'll handle it." So, so the young man in me, mm-hmm. and and I got, and I got to say, like you know, when I. I'm about to digress. Just, just like or, or, we but, do that all the time. Yeah, you know, like I look back at the Reformation. Yeah, that was a blessed time in church history, not because of the schism that happened, but because doctrine, correct doctrine, started being preached. Yeah, but I can tell you right now, I, I know my mentality. My mentality would have been like stick it out in the in the Catholic Church and try yeah. to reorganize, uh, kind of like Erasmus, yeah. you know, like one of those guys. And so my my young man in me is like, when I hear that personnel committee, my young man in me is just going to want to be like, I can't stop here. I'm not leaving this church. I want to help reform this church. Mm-hmm. But you're saying... Uh, okay, what I'm saying is if your church leadership is unified on bad doctrine... Yeah. Okay, Martin Luther didn't have any other... For one thing, Martin Luther was a priest. Yeah, yeah. For another thing, where else are you going to go to church? Mm. And I'm telling you, you can probably go down the street and find a church that believes the right things. Yeah. And um, because if your church leadership is unified, you're likely not going to change them. Now, I would say maybe try to have some of those conversations, maybe try to convince them. But if they're not going to and they're okay with this doctrine— um, we're still talking about that first tier doctrine. That first yeah. tier doctrine, yeah. Then, then I would say that's when it's that's when it's time, it's time to, to go. go. Yeah. Now the second tier doctrines again. So the first tier is Christianity. Second tier is church. Third tier is, is conscience. The second tier. These are doctrines where disagreement on them does not determine whether a person is a Christian or not, but they may determine whether a person is a Baptist or a Presbyterian. Mm, okay. Okay. So, again, Christianity is first tier. Church is second tier. So these are those doctrines that are important to us, but they don't define Christianity. They define denominations and churches. Okay. For example, I have very, very strong conviction that only Christians should be baptized and that that baptism should be done by immersion. I also love and work with and appreciate Presbyterians who believe baptism is a sign of the covenant, and they hold to a covenantal theology where this is very important to them. So they will baptize their infants. And even when they baptize adults, they may sprinkle or they may dunk. And so because my convictions are so strong, I'm not going to join a Presbyterian church. Right. But I don't believe Presbyterians are any less Christian because we all agree on those first-tier doctrines. Yeah. So, again, I'm visiting a church. I go to a church, and I'm sitting there my first Sunday. And, by the way, I've looked on their website. they got the Trinity, all the stuff, you know, the first-tier stuff. And I'm sitting there, and they baptize an infant. Man, that's just not my church. Yeah. That's not the church for me. I'm going to go find a church that is Baptistic in its tradition, whether or not it's a Baptist church. For example... Um, my oldest son and his family go to a church that is not a Baptist church, but it looks like on all these second-tier doctrines, I agree with everything they believe. Yeah. So I would say they are Baptistic in their tradition. Yeah. So um, these are those where you just have to decide which of these rise to second-tier for you. 
Yeah. I know some people that go, well, I don't really care if it's by immersion or by sprinkling. Okay. Well, pick one. And, and you know, and Tom, he all, Tom, he's our minister of education. He, he always is really good about this. And, and I think you and I, obviously, with our educations, too, we're kind of forced to look at differing worldviews, yeah. especially when it comes to these second tier. Don't don't just make up your mind flippantly, you know? Yeah. Don't read some guy that you really like or some woman that you really like without looking at the other side of things. Yeah. Because, you know, I, you, we're talking about the, the covenant theology, yeah. the idea of— I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I have strong. But I have studied covenant theology. Right, and and you and you feel like you know what? I do see where they're coming from. Yeah. Like you in know, fact, I'm like, a guy. Sometimes when I'm reading covenant theology, theologians, I'm like, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's Maybe right. they're right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so you know, I think because I do think that we can, I do think that we can promote a second tier order mm-hmm. into the first tier if we just approach it very flippantly, just yeah. like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go read oh. Uh, well, you know, Tim Keller's in the news this week. He got cancer yeah, and it's a bad yeah. deal. But, you know, great theologian. And he's now, a Presbyterian. He's a Presbyterian. I'm going to go read Tim Keller. and Whatever he says, I'm going to adopt that as my theology right. or what, you know, without right. looking at the other side. And Right. And, and Tim Keller's a great example. He is a Presbyterian who is an Orthodox Christian that I have learned so much <laughs> yes, from. Yes. In fact, when I saw his tweet, I follow him on Twitter, you know, where he was explaining his cancer, and I retweeted it and, you know, asked people to pray for yeah. him. Uh, that man, Ravi Zacharias, I know that one hurts you. Ravi did. You know, here's it's, it's kind of weird. So, so there are two of these guys that died recently that I never met that I grieved. Yeah. I mean, I didn't grieve like when my dad died yeah, my yeah. mom died. But Ravi Zacharias and R.C. Sproul. R.C., yeah. By the way, R.C. was covenantal in his theology. Right. And I love R.C., and I disagree with R.C. on really several things. I disagree with him on his end times theology. Mm. Um, And so, but man, when he, I I just, I've been shaped by these guys who are all in agreement on the first tier. Yeah. In fact, a conference we like to go to that got canceled because of COVID this year was, is Together for the Gospel. And you've got guys like Ligon Duncan and R.C. Sproul, of course, used to, who are Presbyterians. Then you got Al Mohler, who's a Baptist, and John MacArthur, who's a Baptist. And they sit on these panels, and they rib each other. Yeah, Mark Devers yeah. on these, you know, and they tease each they other. They love each other. They yeah. love each other. They're yeah. brothers in Christ. I can't join a Presbyterian church because I have some settled convictions about those things. But, man, I would... Obviously, I would never say anything bad about these presidents. Man, I would go hang out with Tim Keller any day of the week. Man, I'm I'm hoping and praying. I, prayed, I would love to hang out. I, with Tim I prayed Keller. last night. You know, when I saw his post. I was yeah. just like, I prayed for every single thing he asked for prayer for, because I want him to keep on going. There's yeah. obviously there's things we disagree. With. Okay, so I've got I've got one. We we talked okay. a little bit about that first tier, and we highlighted a couple of them. Mm-hmm. I got one that's huge. Okay, that I think fits in the second tier. I think. Reform theology versus anything else. Uh, well, not anything else. Let me say, reform theology versus. Uh, uh, well, there's a, there's a couple of them that fit in there. You know, Arminian theology. Um, um, well, we could talk about the difference between Calvinism and Molinism, but people probably aren't going to. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm so, know that. But um, you know, there is Arminian theology. Yeah. There is Calvinistic theology. And by the way, I hate these these labels because there's so many. There's a spectrum. Yeah. There's really a spectrum on all this. So let's let's think of it in terms of the sovereignty of God and salvation. Yeah. Okay. So basically, I think what you're asking here is 
And this primarily comes down to election and predestination. Right. Right. So what do you do? What, where do we place that? Right. I place it in the third tier. So that's a segue into third tier. <laughs> that's a segue okay. into third tier. Let's do it. So the third tier, so first tier is Christian. Yeah. You, you jettison any of those, you've jettisoned Christianity. Got it. Second tier is church. That's how we define denominations and churches. Yeah. Third tier are conscience, these matters of the conscience. And these can be as minimal as what kind of a music should a Christian listen to? How should you dress when you go to church? Mm. These are things that do not determine whether you're a Christian or whether you're a Baptist. Yeah. Okay? So the third-tier doctrines are the things that I can go to church with people that are all over the board on these third-tier doctrines. Okay? And this happens to be a third-tier doctrine for me. And I will tell you that at our church, we have people that are— very far onto the Calvinistic spectrum. Yep. And then we have people who are not, who would even say, I reject Calvinism. Yeah. Who sit next to each other in the pews. Yep. Because it has to do with salvation. The doctrine is called soteriology. That's the doctrine of salvation. But we all agree that salvation is by grace through faith. That's right that our, our salvation is grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. In other words, one person says, well, I believe God determined before the creation of the world who would be saved. And another person said, well, I just think he knew before the creation of the world who would be saved. Okay, but how do you believe people get saved? Well, they respond to the gospel by faith and they're saved. They're justified. Yep. Okay, well, there's no difference Close there. Fist on it's that. in yeah. the working out of it. Right. Now, I will say too, when you get into Arminian theology, you at least get into non-Baptist theology. And I don't want to go too deep into this, but, but Arminian theology, the big difference between Arminian theology and Baptist theology was, would be that Arminians believe you can lose your salvation. Yeah. That once you're saved by grace, you can do things to forfeit your salvation. And, and yeah. we Baptists, whether Calvinistic or not, I'm going to qualify this in a second. Okay, <laughs> okay got you. But whether Calvinistic or not, believe in a doctrine called perseverance of the saints, that yeah. once a person becomes a Christian, since we're saved by grace, we're also kept by grace. Yeah. That neither the inception of my salvation or the culmination of my salvation are up to me. Yeah. Salvation, start to finish is by the grace of God through faith in Christ alone. You know, and the cool thing about a Baptist, oh, what we about to say? I'm going to qualify yeah. that by saying there are Arminian Baptists out there. There, yeah, are, there are free will Baptists who are yeah. Arminian. And by the way, something interesting is when I was working on uh, my doctorate at Southern Seminary, I took two seminars with two guys who became very, very close friends. One was a free will Baptist pastor. And the other was on staff at John MacArthur's church, who is <laughs> yeah. a Calvinist. Yeah, that's right. And uh, these guys hung out together. Well, I think that's what's so cool. Let me just say that I know that we have people that are going to listen that are not Baptist, and that's completely okay. We're using Baptist hypothetically yeah, hi- here yeah. to have this discussion because that's just where we're familiar. Well, and I just want to say this. I think one of the cool thing, one of the reasons I'm a Baptist that I consider myself to be bad, is because you can walk into a Baptist church, and because of that autonomy that we have, 
you could walk in and there's Armenian theology being preached, which, by the way, I've never been in a Baptist church where Armenian, strict Armenian well, theology say, has been preached. Southern, that would make you not Southern Baptist. Right. So, yeah. you know, but you you can walk in and there's so many diverse well, things on the second yeah. and third tier. And that's one of the things. So we believe Baptists are autonomous. In other words, there's no one in the outside of a Baptist church that has any authority over it. So our denomination doesn't carry any authority over an independent church. Uh, as opposed to like Methodist churches where they have a bishop or a district yeah. superintendent. By the way, those are second-tier issues, how we structure our church yep. government. But I believe that if I walk into a—well, I expect when I walk into a Southern Baptist church that they adhere to the Baptist faith and message. That means on all the first-tier doctrines, I'm in agreement. And on the second-tier doctrines, I'm in agreement. Yeah. But on the third-tier doctrines, we're going to be all over. You may have some that— are structured with an elder leadership and some that are not. You may have some that the deacons serve as an elder board and some yeah. don't. Um, some Southern Baptist churches, man, they are premillennial dispensational in their end times theology. <laughs> and and their name says it too. Like they're, they're too, yeah. they are the premillennial dispensational exactly right. reformed Baptist church or whatever. But you walk into a place like Central and we're not yeah. defined by that. And so, but I know I'm getting Southern Baptist theology, so I... As a rule, there are going to be exceptions, but as a rule, I know that I can walk into a church in my denomination and I'm going to get the same theology. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a cool thing. And, the, you know, Mike, I got to say, I didn't, when I asked that question, I didn't know which tier you would put that in, yeah. the whole idea of Reformed theology. Some people salvation. put that in the second tier. In the second tier. Well, and it seems, it seems that in today's times there's such a divide over that that it's almost working its way into the first tier. Yeah, and I'm troubled by that. Yeah, I am too. Uh, because again, you know, you're going to have guys all over the board who just love each other yeah. on this issue. You know, um, when I was at Southern Seminary, Al Moeller is a very strong Calvinist, the president of the seminary, but his dean of theology, Danny Aiken, was the chair of my uh, doctoral committee. He's not a Calvinist. Yeah. And they're, they're best friends. Yeah. They you do know, life together. They do life and, together. And, you know, even on our church staff, we have differences of opinions on our on our church staff here we at do. Central, and we yeah. do life together. And I yeah. think that, and I think it provides so much value, too. Um, and none of us use the labels because most people don't even know what the labels mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm glad you brought that up because here are two errors we, we can fall into. And one error is the error of having no first-order doctrines. Okay. In other words, eh, believe what you want. You don't believe Jesus rose from the grave? No problem. Come on into our church. Preach at our church. You, you reject problem. the Trinity? Yeah. It's not a big deal. You can still come to our church. That's when you get into what we call theological liberalism. Yeah. Okay? So that's different than political liberalism, but theological liberalism basically has no first-order doctrines. Yeah. The other pitfall is the other end of the spectrum where you make everything a first order mm. doctrine. And that's where you get into what we would call fundamentalism. Yeah. And let me give you an example. Um, I've seen guys preach um, that, uh, well, no, of course I don't listen to country music. I'm a Christian. <laughs> yeah. Of course I don't listen to rock and roll. I'm a Christian. In other words, if you're a Christian, 
you don't do that. What they've just done is taken style of music and made it a first order doctrine. Mm. I've seen people do that with the kinds of clothes that people wear. Yeah. I've seen people do that with their end times doctrine. In fact, I'll tell you another funny story. Okay. Um, so when I, uh, when I was going through the interview process and then meeting the different groups in the church and the, the being called to my, the church before this one, not the church I'm at now, um, there were a few people that held, that elevated one of the end times doctrines to a first tier doctrine. Okay. To the point that when one lady asked me, do you believe, basically, do you believe the way I do? And I said, no. She said, oh, so you don't believe the Bible. (laughs) And I said, actually, I believe every word in the Bible. And she said, no, you don't believe any of it. (laughs) And then when I became her pastor, she started telling people, well, our pastor's not even a Christian. Oh, no. Yeah. So she had elevated that. So I'm glad you brought that up because it's really important. And, and again, we're talking about division in church and when should you leave a church or not or decide not to join a church. History has really helped us walk through these things in that you don't have to wonder what the first tier doctrines yeah, are. Yeah, so true. And second tier doctrines have largely, though not completely, been fairly settled by the way that we break into denominations. Yeah. And you may be comfortable either in a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church, which which is fine, which means some of those second-tier doctrines are third-tier doctrines for you. Yeah. Because the third tier is a matter of conscience. Yeah. You know, if you think it's wrong to listen to country music, don't listen to country music. But don't tell me I'm not a Christian because I like Merle Haggard and Emily Harris. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I pretty much think I'm a Christian and I really like Merle Haggard and Emily Harris. So. <laughs> well, and that, that's, that's such a good Have you ever seen, some, have, have you personally seen some of these doctrinal issues like flare up in a church or have you experienced any of those personally? Well, no, you know, because here's the thing. The majority of my life has been spent in three or four churches. Yeah. And they've all been healthy good churches and you know and obviously here at central i'm coming up on seven years and um we just don't argue about stuff like that like i said you know we have we even in our staff we have so many diverse opinions about second even some second order things and you and the thing i appreciate about you you welcome that at no point in time have you have you tried to reject that or like bring us under your certain line of thinking no in fact let me encourage you with the exception of the first tier doctrines which you hold in a clenched fist it is healthy for you to be challenged on your second and third tier doctrines it's healthy for you to be questioned on those and to be and to to hear the other side and you may see that you see things differently right, at yeah. some point. Well, you, I mean, you know, some, from some of the conversations I've had, I've, I've gone back and forth on some of those second yeah. tiers, some of yeah. those second order uh, doctrines, just because, man, sometimes you read Scripture and you're just like, I, I don't see this anymore. I, yeah. I, you know, I see yeah. something else there, and, and it, it's just hard and, uh, and working through that and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. So, so here, conclude, here's what I'm hearing you say. You okay. tell me if I'm, right. if I'm just way off, Okay. First order doctrines, that's a close fist. Yep. You better have it right, and yep. you need to go to a church that has it right. That's right. Second order doctrines, pick the church that, that fits. Don't be dogmatic about it. Don't be 
um, flippant with your decision making on these. And but but you know, go to the church. If if, if a Presbyterian theology, if that Reformed theology fits you better, then go to yeah. that church. If yeah. not, go to another church. And then on the third order, and maybe I'm just like looking too much in this. Suck it up. <laughs> That's what I'm kind of hearing you say. This is yeah. something that we need to learn to get along really, really well yeah. with these third order things. I'm trying to remember the German saying. By the way, this is a quote that is often attributed to the wrong person because it's a guy's name who's really obscure in history. It's a, it's a German guy. But here's what he says. In essentials, unity. Okay. In non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. Mm, that is a good word. So in the essentials, those closed fist things, we're going to have unity on those. Yeah. In the non-essentials, the open fist things, we're going to have liberty. Hey, you want to dress different than I do, listen to different music? Cool, yeah. man. I'm not going to look down on any of that. But in all things, charity. In all things, charity. And so um, that means even when it comes to the closed fist things, you can still be nice about it. Be nice. Yeah. That's a good word. Yeah. I like it. All right. Good stuff today, Cody. Man, that's Thanks. a wrap. Great that is job, a wrap. man. That's a Listen wrap to us on being this all thing. technical. You're my guy. I'm your guy. You're my guy. <laughs> all right, folks, we'll see you later. Don't forget, um, askmikemiller.com. If you heard anything today that you're just, you would like a little bit extra info on, we realize that we brushed a wide, some of the things we brushed today, there's classes on this stuff. Yeah, you know? for sure. So totally give, give Dr. Mike a, a, a shout, askmikemiller.com. Uh, send him an email at askmikemiller at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yep, bye.